Rush is back. Our number two, Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson, filling in right now for Tyler McComas, who is going to come online at some point, we think, from Salt Lake City. Uh, traveling out there, gearing up for uh, the weekend festivities. I guess they've got a, um, a watch party or a group that's that's getting together at the same location that he's going to be at today. Is that right, Travis? Is that deal for for tomorrow? Is he at the same location today, or is he just doing the show from the hotel tonight? So theoretically, he's supposed to be at the uh, OU Club of uh, Utah event today. Uh, originally going to be two to five mm-hmm. local time there, obviously uh, um, three to six here. But yeah, I don't know if he's going to do it from the hotel or if he's going to make it over there. Um, the Poplar Street Pub, I believe, something like that. I know Poplar is in the yeah. name. I know tomorrow we're going to be at Wingers in Provo. I say tomorrow for Saturday. He's going to be. We're going to be at Wingers for the post game tomorrow. He'll be at Poplar. So today will be hotel. Man, I'm screwed up. I'm thinking today's Friday. I'm never on Thursdays with y'all. I know. For whatever reason, it does kind of feel like a Friday. I don't know why that is. But, dude, if you think about it, we got eight days of football left before. Now, obviously, if you make the Big 12 championship game, you'll extend that out. But, you know, coming up tomorrow, we're at seven days. And it's crazy how this season has, it just goes and goes and goes. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's like, well, hang on a second. We're done. Um this thing's going to wrap up pretty quickly, especially if we don't make the Big 12 championship. If we don't get some of the things we need to happen, we're going to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs before we know it. Yeah, it truly flies, man. And it's, you know, that's why when people are like, ugh, I wish we'd get better games. Yeah, me too, man. I, I We're going to the SEC for these better games. I get it, but... Game days, man, you live for them. You only get a couple of, you know, a few of them a year, especially home games. You don't get very many. So that's why, uh, you know, you really got to soak those times in because, Ted, here uh, here come about June, we're going to be doing radio going, golly, hurry up season. We're, we're waiting on, you know, workout rumors and who looks good in camp and, oh, I think one guy was wearing a boot. Like, like. Like during the football season, you've got to cherish these times. It did fly by. Right. Yep. It did. It is. And I, I think that we've got a chance to um, put together perhaps our best performance of the season. Um, going up to Provo. I don't know how much BYU you've you've watched, but they are struggling now. They, they're getting some guys back. They're getting Slovis back. Uh, but it's been a grind on them. Um, they are last in the Big 12, either last or close to last, in pretty much all of your statistical categories. <laughs> it's um, rushing, dead last. Um, offense, I think they're dead last. You know, they defensively, you know, they've really struggled. So, you know, and they've, they've really had a hard time putting points on the board over the last, you know, three or four weeks. And right, with Oklahoma getting healthy and getting some guys back, I, I honestly think that there's a chance that we can go out there and slap a big number up on the board offensively, just run the football, run the mess out of the football. And defensively, man, 
They scored 13 against Iowa State. They scored seven on the road against West Virginia and six against Texas. I mean, that's their last three weeks. They've put up a grand total of 26 points in three weeks. Man, I now depending on how it all unfolds, but I would be disappointed if if we gave up two touchdowns to this team. Yeah, and the only the only reason I I think it might not be a massive offensive number is because I think we're really going to speed this game up by chewing up clock on the ground. I think we'll probably get like eight or nine possessions almost. I mean, obviously, if you get them off the field quickly, you're going to get more possessions, but you know what I mean. I think they're going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you want to rotate a lot of guys in. With the altitude, you know, the last thing you want is to, you know, get dudes gassed and in a bad position. You've got a short week coming up um, with a TCU team that that game could mean a whole heck of a lot. So early Friday game, I think you get in there. I think when you get a lead, you lean on them, you rotate a lot of guys through, keep everybody fresh, and keep everybody healthy. But, yeah, this kind of feels the opposite, Ted, of uh, of what West Virginia was like coming into the game, right? West Virginia was coming in yeah. on a four-game streak of 500-plus yards of offense, 250 on the ground, 250 through the air, really balanced, 38, yard, or 38 points a game in their last four. They were coming in with some confidence, and, yeah, this feels – like the complete opposite of that, to be honest. Man, a, a lot of, you know, whenever we we're about to play West Virginia and, you know, looking at looking at them on film and just checking out the stats and see see what they've done, like a lot of it was looking at that BYU game and being like, dang, uh, West Virginia just ran the absolute mess out of the ball, 336 yards on the ground, and they ran the ball 48 times. And, you know, just on the field, a massive amount, thirty-five over ten minutes in time of possession, more than than BYU and BYU's a, a throwing football team. You know, a lot of that maybe is because they've been down in a bunch of games, um, but you know they're one of the few teams in the Big Twelve that that has thrown it more than they've uh, ran it in by quite a decent number, and. I, I would expect exactly what you're saying. We're going to keep the ball on the ground. As long as we're having success with it, it's going to be ball on the ground or a lot of the quick and easy completions to the perimeter that keep the clock rolling. And, you know, I think we'll take some shots downfield and try and create some big play opportunities. And, you know, I, I think that one of the things, and I picked Drake Stoops, my – um uh bold prediction at Rudy's on Monday is that Drake Stoops has his high on the season for completions. So that would mean 13. I think that they're going to go to Drake Stoops a ton. One, because the kid's always open. It doesn't matter if he's covered. It doesn't matter if he's in open space. He's going to bring the football in. But the other thing is, when you start to look at where he is statistically in the conference, uh, coaches know those things. And there's a chance that Drake Stoops can be the leading receiver in the Big 12. And they know that. And if they know that, they're going to feed him. So it wouldn't shock me if Drake Stoops has a huge game against BYU. No, I, I think that's I think that's a good call. I mean, Drake has, you know, he had his best game of his career against Oklahoma State until 
the next week when he even bested that, uh, which was obviously really cool to watch. So he's got actually an opportunity. So right now he leads the Big 12 in receptions. He is tied for the touchdown lead with Texas's A.D. Mitchell, and he is only 98 yards off for the receiving yards lead. So, Teddy, can you tell me the last Big 12 receiver to lead the uh, Big 12, lead the conference in all three of those categories, the triple crown of the Big 12, if you will? Uh, I could take a guess at it. I think I'm trying to remember. I feel like CD had over 100 receptions one year. Um, yeah, he, is that is it? It's got to be CD, right? Nope, it's before that. Crabtree? Is it that far back? It's Crabtree. That's a good second wow. guess. Obviously, you've had you know you've had really good receivers in this conference, man. You've had yep. Justin Blackman and James Washington and D.D. Westbrook and C.D. Lamb and Marquise Hollywood Brown and uh, you know. I mean, Baylor's had a laundry list of them. I mean, West Virginia's had good ones. Um, you know, you've, you've had some highly talented ones. But, yeah, you'd have to go all the way back to Michael Crabtree's first Bolitnikoff season uh, when he uh, when he was able to lead. So, so, I mean, when you think about that, when you think of Drake Stoops having the opportunity to have the Big 12 receiving triple crown for the year 2023 – it's it is wildly impressive. Yeah, it is. And um, I, again, man, I think he can get there. He can get there. Um, you know, they're going to force feed him, and which is fine. You know, I I I got no problem with that. Let's game chase it down as long as it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, you know, all all conference and. All of those things, you, you have to imagine he's a shoe-in for that type of stuff. And, and who knows nationally, uh, whenever you start to look at some of those awards and everything, I, I don't know what all he may be up for, but it's so We know he's up for the awesome Burlesworth. He'll be up for the Burlesworth. The, you know, he's top three for that. I'm not sure who the other two are, but I doubt they have as good of an argument as Drake Stoops does. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that is, is can he, narrative. What's the and, rules on that? Like just as long as you were an, originally a walk-on? Yes. As long as you started your career as a walk-on. So that's why Baker won it twice. Um, obviously Drake has an opportunity to win that. And, uh, you know, you have to assume, especially if he leads the, uh, if he leads the conference in, just say, just say it ends right now and he's leading the conference in touchdowns, or at least tied for it, and he's leading the conference in receptions. You have to assume that that makes him first-team All-Big 12 unless there's some fishy stuff going on with the Big 12, which, again, back to last segment, it, it totally could happen. But, I mean, you would think that first-team All-Big 12, Burlesworth Trophy, can we finally put to bed the 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 feeling that it's a hot take to say that Drake is going to play in the NFL? Can we put that to bed? <laughs> I'm putting it to bed. I, well, I, I will tell you right now. I, whenever, it, and this is not easy to admit, but whenever Drake first went to Oklahoma, and I had watched him at Norman North, and I thought he was awesome at Norman North. He was a lot of fun to watch there. But, you know, I thought he would be, at best, a role player, 
you know, um, with the right situation, could it become a, uh, a key week in, week out part of the offense? Yeah, but it's going to be an uphill battle for that. And right now, I think he is the best player on our offense. Now, quarterback, it's hard to compare. Outside of quarterback, it's hard to compare, you know, because the quarterback just has so much that runs through him. But outside of, of what Dylan Gabriel's done, I think he's the most important piece of our offense. As we've struggled through some portions of the season running the football, um, you know, we've struggled at some portions in the season throwing the ball and being aggressive. Like, he is such a key piece. And, again, I know that he is leading in receptions, 62. He's almost doubled up the next closest, which is Farouk at 35. But that number doesn't do justice to how important a lot of those throws were, especially whenever he was getting a smaller percentage of the overall receptions. Often it's, you know, third and seven and you got to have it. Fourth down and you got to have it. Red zone, you got to have it. Like he's the go-to player whenever you absolutely have to have something. So, like, those those aren't just receptions where it's just an easy throw and catch. Like, he's in traffic in critical moments of the football game. And I I think he's one of the players on this football team that we're going to miss most after this year. Oh, couldn't agree more. I mean – <clears throat> it's funny because going into the year, everybody talks about, well, you know, Drake always seems to get that get that key third down catch or something like that. Well, I mean, it seems like he's getting every key catch. And one of the things preseason that even the defensive backs were talking about saying, who runs the best routes on the team? I mean, it was consensus that it was Drake Stoops. I mean, in route running, you know, you talked about it a lot last year, right? And, and going into this season. You can you you need the size, you need the speed, but at the end of the day, can you get open? The wide receiver position comes down to that. Can you get open? And Drake routinely, Teddy, gets open. And if you can get open, you know, throughout his career doing this, then you can get open at the next level too. Promise you. Yep. Yep. Now, I I would say that he needs the right fit you know i he's not a like cd lamb at receiver can go to any team in the nfl and is going to be one of the top receivers in the league just that's how athletically gifted he is um drake needs the right situation he needs a a, a veteran quarterback in a really good offense that understands the you know, the the need to have a guy like that and how beneficial it is. Not a young quarterback that's, you know, is trying to make it and trying to, you know, going through his own stuff. Um, Kansas City would be a nice place to start, right? <laughs> With Mahomes. Yeah. Might as well. Got every other Sooner uh, coming out. It's so. like a, it's yeah, like a without going straight across to the, you know, stereotypes of the white receiver, Hunter Renfro has some – some similarities in in the way he runs routes uh started his kind of career the same way walk on i mean that's a guy kind of in into one of those roles and i know it's funny everybody's like oh bill belichick's gonna draft him bro i don't even know if bill belichick's gonna be coaching next year which is a whole nother story but but yeah i think you're right it's not just a plug and play but it's also you put drake stoops in a locker room and he's just gonna make it he makes your locker room better immediately 
and he'll find a way to make an impact on the field. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at Metro Ford of OKC, MetroFordofOKC.com. Over 500 new Fords in stock, and they got the new 2023 Ford F-150s, 2.9% financing for 72 months. Gives you a nice low payment, not for the Raptors or the the F-150 trimmers, but the Ford F-150, 2.9% financing. The Metro Ford of OKC, the difference is real here. It's Oklahoma's premier Ford dealer. We'll be back. Rush is back. Hour number two. Teddy Lehman here at Metro Ford of OKC. Travis Davidson hanging out as well. Tyler uh, headed out to Salt Lake City to get set up for the uh, the big game there this weekend. We'll see uh, if he's able to make it on at some point today. Uh, I, you know, the big news kind of is going to be out there in college football until – a hire is announced, and it'll be some big news after that as well for a while. But it's the Texas A&M situation. Jimbo Fisher is out. Uh, massive buyout. We've all seen the numbers. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to pony right back up. And depending on who they go after, if it's someone that is currently employed somewhere, they're going to have to pony up um, to get them, them out of their current contract and – you know, even if it's someone that is uh, not currently coaching, they're going to have to, like, because of the contract they gave Jimbo Fisher, they're going to have to pay the next guy a huge amount, most likely. Where do you think they're going to go? Uh, I've been racking my brain, right? Because I feel like in a lot of these scenarios, you've got kind of the guys, because a lot of this happens in the off season, right, Ted? So it's like, okay, here's some guys that are available. You can kind of, at least you know, like what puzzle pieces you have, you just kind of need to find where they fit. But right now, you've got a puzzle with a piece missing, and you don't know you don't know where that piece is right now. So it makes it so much more difficult. I think Elko would be a good hire. Um, I don't think they will because I think Texas A&M needs to splash. Right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know they'll probably try and go after Lane at some point, which I'll never understand because I, I've never understood the lane obsession but uh i mean they could try and throw some money at a guy like Dabo, who maybe feels like he's not appreciated in clemson anymore but it would be weird culturally like i think that's pretty much a bad cultural fit they could do they could i was literally said i was about i was about to say they could do the dumbest thing possible and go after Dion sanders um you think that'd be bad i think it would be i think it'd be worse than bad because here's the thing, what what is Dion best at? Recruiting, right? I mean, he yeah. kids kids want to play for him, all that. Well, guess what is the only thing that A and M has done right in the last ten years? Recruiting. Well, so it's like, well, I mean, to some degree, they haven't had a quarterback other than Manziel, obviously. But well, Dion's never had a quarterback that I, wasn't his own flesh and blood. Well, his flesh and blood would come with him. <laughs> well, could he, but wouldn't he have to sit out? I mean, how many uh, how many times know. can you transfer just all oh, willy-nilly and just – I think he'd have to 100. sit out. A hundred. Well, that makes, makes sense. The NCAA Maybe. is much like the Big 12. They change the rules uh, uh, whenever whenever yeah. they need to. But that's the thing. It's, it's – he can recruit – he can recruit corners. I mean, he got Cormani McLean. He got Travis Hunter. He can recruit – 
you know, as long as their last name is Sanders, he can get them in. But when you look at their recruiting class right now, and then you look at the trenches, my God, the trenches, it's disgusting, Teddy. So, well, I mean, you can't, you can't compare, you, you can't look at Colorado and he, how long he's been there. He hasn't even been there a calendar year and expect that program to be in a great position coming from one of the worst power five programs in college football they were in a terrible spot oh they they were ab- they were absolutely him a little bit of time they were absolutely in a terrible spot but he said he was bringing louie didn't he didn't he say he was he was getting rid of everybody on the team and he was bringing his own guys he the problem some. is he all, but all all his guys are are the are the corners they're the receivers they're they're his, you know, the quarterback. They're this, like, I just don't think, like, A&M has recruited the trenches very well. They've got the best defensive line classes multiple years. 2022 was literally the highest ranked recruiting class of all time. And Connor Weichman, he's, I mean, he's he's been good for them. And they were really excited about him. So it looked like they finally got the quarterback right. I just, I don't know, man, like the X's and O's, like, I just, I don't think Dion would be a good fit there, and I honestly don't think culturally – like, I think they need somebody to get in there and just try and instill – like, I think they would do well to hire Dabo. I just don't think that Dabo – like, I, I, I don't know if they would let him take the reins like he would need to take the reins at the program. But, no, I don't think Dion can go can, – can take that jump up into the SEC. Now, Dion, yeah. if, if I had to place him, Ted – I would place him at Mississippi State because he knows the area. Being there at Jackson, I mean, it's a. I mean, it's. I, I think he's a better fit at Mississippi State than he is at Texas A&M personally. But okay. who do you who well, do you think Texas A&M should go after? Well, I don't think they. If if they're going after someone, then I think they've already screwed this thing up. I. I fully believe that if you didn't have a handshake deal already with someone before you made this move, then they've got a disaster on their hands. Um, I think that they're going to go with someone that can't – like their biggest problem has been offense. They haven't had a good offense in a long time. Now, they had a brief flash of one whenever Manziel was there – um, and they've had a handful of years where they did some okay things, but they've never been what people would consider to be a top offense consistently in college football. I think that's what they're going to go after. And my guess is they're going to say, we've got everything that we've got or everything that we need except for the quarterback position and and the offensive coordinator. And to me, the the easiest – spot to find that is Lincoln Riley. Now, I know that costs a lot of money with where they're at. And I don't know that you know I it, I I don't know how how that whole thing would go down, but to me I it, it gets very difficult. They had to go and convince their top donors to pony up 75 million dollars to fire Jimbo Fisher. And you better have an answer as to, okay, well, if we get rid of Jimbo Fisher, who are you going to hire? You don't just say, well, we don't know. 
you better have an answer. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's already done. I, I don't know who it is, but it has to be someone that's good enough to where the donors are willing to pony up that type of money to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. All right. And Lincoln Riley is a name that stands out. Urban Meyer maybe is a name that stands out. Uh, Elko, I think, would be a good hire for him. But you know as well as I do. If, if you're asking a donor to pony up $75 million and he says, okay, well, I'll consider it. Who are we going to hire? And you say Mike Elko from Duke? You think they're going to get on board with that? Well, I think, th- I think that you would say we're going to hire – the right guy to come in and fix the mess that Jimbo made because my thing is it people that are just like you need splash you need splash you need splash it's I just don't think that that's got a a, I don't think that that's backed historically as always the right move and the problem is so say Lincoln Riley Lincoln Riley's contract it's private but people are you know projecting that it's over a hundred million dollars you know and I I mean well above a hundred million dollars and he's he's he just got there 15 minutes ago. So you gotta buy you gotta buy that deal out. On top of what you're paying, you're still paying Sumlin. So you pay some. You're still paying a buyout before. Now you pay the highest buyout in the sports history. You gotta pay Lincoln Riley's historic buyout of his own contract at USC, and then you gotta turn around and sign Lincoln Riley to a what 200 million dollar deal like I get A&M has money but you don't want half a billion dollars wrapped up in in coaches contracts you know what i mean No i hear you i now i heard someone say that Lincoln Riley's contract buyout is uh estimated to be at 90 million dollars cool. which i don't know if that's true or not It wouldn't shock me That's interesting why is that interesting it, it, how much it, was Jimbo's buyout? Well, Jimbo's went down, right? So, like, you have to keep in mind how long Jimbo's been there, right? So Jimbo signed, what, a 10-year, $75 million deal, and then they upped it to, Re-upped like, it. 9.5, something like that. So right now he's making, like, $7.5 million a year for the until, like, 2031 or something like that. So they, they re-upped it, but that's a long time, right? So a couple years ago, if you would have – if you would have – bought out Jimbo at the beginning, it started above 90. I think it was 96 million. And that's the thing. Yeah. Lincoln's only two years into his deal. So you're having to buy out the rest of his contract, which I believe is a 10-year deal. So you're having to buy out eight years of that. I don't doubt that it's 90 million. So you're, you're talking 76 million to one guy. You're still paying millions to someone. 90, yeah. million, 90 million buyout for the contract. And then you sign Lincoln to yeah. a but that's $150 million dollar deal? <laughs> the reason I, ask, I say that is because those numbers are interesting. What's $70 million buyout and $90 million buyout? Oh, that What's check that, that was on the to? that check that was on the field? What's it add up to? $160 million. million. And that's what that guy was donating. <laughs> what That is funny. It's crazy. Well, you know what's funny, though, is, is that Jimbo had to stand there and hold that check knowing – why it was donated like you know what i mean like you you're not standing there holding that check without saying well, yeah you, yep this is my buyout got an idea he's got which a, i'm sure a, he had a big an idea big old smile on his face because he knew he was getting a a good old chunk of that he was getting about half of that but but that's the thing it's you you back yourself up into this corner you paint yourself into a corner if you will by saying 
we got to go get the next big money. We get, money's no option. Money's no option. Money's well, no option. Okay, fine. I agree, but the only the only problem with that is about the splash is you you it has to be a big enough splash to convince to convince donors to pay seventy five million dollars for someone to walk away to get rid of them. Like that's the thing. I mean. I, I agree. Like you don't just get a splash to make a splash. Uh, you get the right fit for your program, but I, it also has to be splashy enough to for the donors to say, "Yeah, okay, we'll pony up the money to pay someone to sit on the beach for the next ten years or however long it is." Well, do you think you know that it's saying? Po- like there's yeah. got to be some of that to it? But do you think there's a possibility where they just said, "Look, we got to get out from this guy now. Like we're we're just burning cash anyways." I don't no, have a guy in mind, but but that's the thing. Who do you think made a better hire, um, Washington or USC? Um, well, if you look at the results right now, you have, without a doubt, you have to say Washington. Right, and it's like Lincoln Riley was the splashiest hire that we've seen since I don't know when, and that's the thing. It, when when. Winner donors I don't agree with you the, on that. I'm just telling you that 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 the people <laughs> that are writing the checks, you have to give them some type of excitement for them to pony up that type of money. But do I mean, you that's think... the only thing I'm saying. And I also don't think that I if, if I put myself in a in a donor's shoes and I'm asked to to fund some guy's permanent vacation for the rest of his life, I the name that you give me, it better be really good, and it better be a lock that you're getting it. Well, how about I, this? I'm not going to pony up $75 million to end up with the fifth choice on the list. How about this? If you're in those donor shoes and I came to you and I'm, and I'm Bjork and I say, hey, uh, Teddy, you just paid $75 million uh, for, to fund this guy's permanent vacation. We're going to hire – Urban Meyer for 150 million dollars. If that doesn't work out, I'm going to come back to you for another 75 million dollar check. Or do you say, "Hey, you didn't like paying that 75 million dollars? We're going to go get Elko, and the buyout's going to be half of that. It'll probably work, but if it doesn't, you aren't having to shell out another 75 million. Like, if if I had to write a 75 million dollar check, I think I would be more concerned with making sure I never had to write another check like that, as opposed to as opposed to risking it at all. You know what I mean? Well, there's some truth to that. I don't know. I, I think the whole thing is, is funny. It's interesting. And here's the thing. This is what I kept telling Tyler, over and over. You better, you better quit wishing for Jimbo Fisher to get fired. Jimbo Fisher is the perfect coach for Texas A&M. He's perfect from our view. He's a big talker. There's no follow through. There's no real substance there. They're going to be a middle-of-the-road football team. If they fire him, you never know who that next hire is going to be. And if it happens to be the right one, who knows what they could do there. I mean, that's that's kind of what I've always said. It's like, you want him to do bad, but you want him to do just good enough to stay around because you never know who that next guy is. Yeah, I mean, there's some do. programs that go through a bunch of – a bunch of bad hires, and then they hit the right one. And when they hit the right one, they beat everyone for a long time. Well, <laughs> you know? I mean, 
Look they, at Oklahoma. They've also been, we went through been a doing... bunch of bad hires, and, and then whenever they hit the right one, they beat everyone for 20 years or however long Coach Stoops was there. Well, I mean, Oklahoma may be a bad example because they've had like a handful of bad hires in 100 years. And Texas A&M has had nothing but bad hires for – 130 right. years. And, and that's the other that's the other piece of the pie, too, is as as a coach, you know, whenever you see how the last guy was treated, and I know it's, you know, he, he's handed a, a massive buyout. That's one thing. But you have to you have to always question, do the do the expectations there and, and what's going to happen match up with reality? And I don't know how much someone's going to be willing to to just dive on that. Like, if Dabo's wanting to get rid of expectations from, from his fan base, that's the wrong place to go. All, <laughs> you know hey, all I know is, and I know we got to hit this, but all I know is Paul Bear Bryant couldn't win at A&M. So. There you go. Yeah. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out Metro Ford of OKC. Stay tuned. Rush is back. Our number two, Teddy Langer here. Travis Davidson hanging out as well. Tyler McComas set to join at some point from Salt Lake City. Travel day for Tyler McComas heading out there. Got the BYU game coming up. Um, anything else got your uh, – we obviously know Texas and Iowa State uh, and Oklahoma State, Houston. Those are two that we're going to be watching closely. Uh, you asked me earlier, what do you think about the, the Texas-Iowa State game? Iowa State been coming on strong lately. Texas is, is losing a, a piece of their offense as they lost Brooks. The running game has been a big we- weapon for them. And, I, you know, I don't think Quinn Ewers is 100% healthy. It's a tough road game. That's going to be a big atmosphere. Yeah, you don't want to get me going on about Quinn Ewers because uh, I think uh... – I think if they've got to rely on him, they're going to be in big, big trouble uh, up there in Ames. And all this talk about him coming back for uh, for a third year at Texas, I mean, ugh. I get. I mean, have fun with that. The guy's relevant relative to his recruiting ranking, and I think that's an important part. Relative to his recruiting ranking, as a perfectly rated recruit, he has been a bust. Now, you talk about A&M not being able to get the quarterback right. Texas has the perfect recruit on campus, and they've got another perfect recruit backing him up. And the well, the one perfect recruit that's already been there hasn't been any good. He's got, what, 14 touchdowns, four picks. I mean, he's gotten a bit more accurate this year, but, I mean, he's not living up to the standards at which perfect recruit should. They've got another one backing him up who apparently they aren't that confident in if they were that confident in they'd be acting like OU fans right now Teddy they'd be trying to push the guy out the door so they can get the young guy in there but 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 I just if you've got to rely on Quinn not 100% healthy and you get their 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 best running back their their one of their best offensive players out uh, it, it it could get tough because Iowa State again recovered from the first part of their season. They've been playing pretty good ball. I know they lost that tough one to Kansas, but, you know, wins over Baylor and Cincinnati and TCU. Oklahoma State, a lot of people forget that they won that game. So, I don't know. I wish that offensive lineman would have kept his mouth shut, though. I know that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the Ewers thing to me is uh, is fascinating that he's he's – 
announcing that he's staying as opposed to what? Going to the NFL? I don't know who, if anyone, has convinced him or Texas fans that he is a like a legit like top target for NFL in the draft. What are we talking about? He is he is he's just barely above average in the Big Twelve at quarterback, and I'm told constantly. And, and, you know, frankly, it's true. Whenever you look at his wide receiver core and who he's got, his numbers are almost identical, Travis. I did player A and player B with Tyler the other day. Did you hear it? No, Um, I didn't. What was it? I I gave player A and player B with – I'll do it right now with you. Oh, boy. All right. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating. All right, player A, 173 of 246, 2,232 yards, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. Player B, 177 of 285, 2,121 yards, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So player A has... uh, a little bit better completion percentage, has thrown for a little over 100 more yards, has one less touchdown, and three fewer interceptions than player B. Player A is Quinn Ewers. Player B is freshman Rocco Beck for Iowa State. Wow. They're almost identical. That's wild. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and he's thrown to Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and I say Naor can't even get on the field. Yeah. I mean, so uh, that's crazy. It's crazy, right? Well, and that's what and that's they're what telling me like it's up. some big deal that he's not going to the NFL. I it, that's wild. Well, they're like, oh man, Quinn Ewers is going to be the best quarterback in the SEC next year. He's not the best quarterback in the Big Twelve, like, and the SEC. Is getting the big quarterback recruits now. Like, this isn't back in, like, you know, the days of Matt Stafford where he was the only quarterback, basically, in the SEC, and that's why he looks so good out there. I mean, Bobby used to talk about it all the time. The Big 12 simply had better quarterback play for years, and then the SEC finally kind of caught on to their offensive, you know, schemes and their personnel and things like that. But, I mean, Quinn Ewers, there's a reason he's coming back, I promise you. It's not because he just has this star-spangled love for the University of Texas. It's because... He's not going in the first round, and he shouldn't go in the first round. I mean, I, I know that he's going to get overdrafted simply because he has arm talent, and he's going to do well at like a pro day, like a Zach Wilson-type situation where he just he tears it up wearing gym shorts, throwing on air. But you've got two years where he's been above average at best. He was straight average last year. Now he's above average this year. But he hasn't made it through either of the two years healthy, Ted. Like, at what point are you yeah. like – at what point are you honest about this? I've never seen a guy live more on a recruiting ranking than I have with Quinn Ewers. It's it's truly phenomenal. And you brought up his weapons. Wow. Not only his weapons, but they put together a beefy offensive line. I mean, you've got five stars up and down that thing. So I, he's got a situation 
where he should absolutely thrive. You look at Carson Beck at Georgia right now, right? And that's a guy that not everybody was starting at the beginning of the year saying, hey, look, this is a first-round pick, this is a guy. But I would argue that Texas has a better situation offensively than Georgia does, and Carson Beck's playing lights out compared to Quinn Ewers. Yeah, he is. He's he's playing really good. Yeah, Quinn Ewers, to me, he's got good arm talent, but he's average size. He's average mobility he's already shown to be somewhat injury prone ah he there's nothing about quinn ewers that that makes me think he's a he's a first round draft pick which is you know same thing it's not like we're sitting here trying to convince anyone that dylan gabriel so i don't want to hear like the oklahoma bias i don't think dylan gabriel's first round pick either i don't think he's close to a first round pick all right quick time out more from the rush coming up we'll wrap up our number two next rush is back Tight segment here, heading to the top of the hour. Hour number three coming up next. Hanging out Metro Ford here in OKC. It is the uh, it is the number one dealer, Oklahoma's premier Ford dealer, rather. Uh, and they got the new 2023 Ford F-150s, 2.9% for 72 months. It's a great deal. That's not on the Raptors or the, uh, the trimmers, but the new 2023 Ford F-150s. Uh, F-150s have great financing options available. They have over 500 new Fords in stock. You can check them out online, MetroFordofOKC.com. We'll be back with the final hour of The Rush next.